you know what one of the worst feelings in the world is? Almost getting an A. I mean like 89.4. Where it almost, if, if, if someone would round it up a tenth, has that ever happened to you? That ever happened to you? It's happened to you? Almost an A. Almost an A. One of the worst feelings in the world is something almost happening. How many of you have actually gotten a, a, like a final grade, a B, and the actual grade was 89.4 or something absurdly close? You did it last semester. He graded it exactly so it would be that way. So it was a conspiracy. Russia hacked your grades. Yeah. So you, you've had that happen to you? Second semester, your, your final grade was an 89.4, where it can't round up. How many of you have almost made a, a team or a band that you auditioned for or something like that? Anybody ever almost made it? Micah, I know that is a heartbreaking story. Heartbreaking, Micah. It was awful. How many, have, who else? Have you, ever, have you ever, like, what was it for? Yeah, for volleyball. You were the manager. That's a great spot, though. I would love to be the manager. I was sixth chair of the 2003 all-county band. The only problem is there were only five chairs. So I was the first guy that wasn't in the band. And listen, I'm, I'm serious when I say I prayed for weeks for somebody to get the flu, to get hit in the head and get knocked out and couldn't be there for the concert. I mean, anything. I was like, if there's any way, I got to be in that band. I wasn't. I wasn't. Six chair was never called. How many of you, oh, can I tell you a sad story? Can I tell you a sad, sad, sad story? When I was in ninth grade, I had a class and there was a girl. There was a girl. Yeah. There was a girl, and I liked this girl. I mean, had a, I had a serious crush. Had a serious crush. It was one of those crushes where, like, they can do no wrong. Anything that they do, you're like, <gasps> or they come around the corner, and, like, you, you feel your heart beating. You're like, what do I say? What do I say? Don't be dumb. And they walk away, and you're like, I was dumb. Oh. Was it Mindy? Not Mindy. No. What? That ninth grade, I'm in class, the whole year, really liked this girl. And we were, we were I'll be honest, we were kind of flirtatious back and forth. But I, I know. But, but I, couldn't read, I couldn't read her that well, and so like, I, I never could tell. Whether she was just like that or whether she was trying to, you know, send the signals, whatever. Okay, year ended. The rest of high school, I never had a class with her again, ever. In fact, I don't think I even saw her the last two years of high school until, until graduation day. Graduation day, we are on the stairs of the Amway Arena. That was where my graduation was at. We're all in our gowns. We're going inside. We're getting ready to walk. Getting ready to walk. And I run into her. 
and we're, you know, oh, haven't seen you in so long, blah, 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 ever since Mrs. So-and-so's class, blah, blah, blah. And then she says, Asa, I'm going to tell you something. When I was in ninth grade, I had the biggest crush on you. And I went, whoa, why didn't you say something? I had the biggest crush on you. And she goes, yeah, what could have been? What is happening? This isn't fair. This isn't right. If only I had known. She says, I'm leaving tomorrow for college. Ah, no, almost. It almost could have been. And it wasn't. It's the worst feeling in the world. You know what one of the best feeling in the world is? I had a college algebra class. How many of you are about to graduate? We got some college, get some people getting ready to go to college. It went to college. I went to college, and I, listen, I had taken like calc in high school. And this advisor puts me in like a, a, a college algebra class or something. Yeah, it was so easy. It was so easy that by the time I got to the final, I knew that I only needed like a 30% to get an A in the class. That was all I needed. So you know what I did? Just to be safe, I did 40% of the test, and then I wrote Merry Christmas, and I turned it in. And that was it. And I got an A. And I was so mad about it that I went and I clept through the rest of the math courses so I didn't ever have to take a math course again. I was just, I was done with, clep is like you go and you take the, what would be the final exam of the course, and if you can pass it, they'll give you the credit for it without taking the class. So I did that. That was such a great feeling because there was no almost about it at all. It was like, 30%? I can do that. I'm getting 10% for putting my name on it. Anybody have a teacher that gives you credit for just putting your name on it? You do? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I'm withholding judgment. Listen, I want to I show you. I want to show you a moment in Scripture, and there's actually several of these, but I want to show you this one because I kind of see it as like, if Gandalf walked into the Bible, this would be it. Do we have any Lord of the Rings people in here? Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings. How many of you have, have ever watched the entire trilogy back to back to back? Anybody? I knew it. I knew it. I just, I knew that Caleb had done that. If Gandalf walked into scripture, this is him. And I want to take you to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Because we're going to talk about a guy named Simon the Sorcerer. Say, ooh. Say, ah. Say, shut your mouth. Simon the Sorcerer. Somebody. Somebody's getting choked up over there. Huh? Chapter 8. Yeah, chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, we're going to tell a story about Simon the sorcerer, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to hang with me, because we're going to move fast, and we're going to read a substantial section of scripture, and I want to point out a couple of things, and we're going to have a little bit of pity on Simon the sorcerer, and uh, it, there's some funny twists and turns of this along the way, but then I want to come back to a very serious question, and it has to do with this, that the worst feeling in the world is almost making it, and not. Simon is just such a guy. You're in chapter 8, you're there, you're ready? Yep. Okay, 
as we start, a little history. Jesus comes to earth, lives a perfect life, three and a half years of ministry, dies on the cross, buried, rises from the dead. Most of you in the room are familiar with that. Then, 40 days goes by, Jesus ascends back to the Father. The very last thing that he says to his apostles, the now 11 guys that are around him, he says, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he ascends back to his father. And so those 11 guys suddenly become the world's mission agency. And they begin to preach and to teach in all these different places. And it's 11 guys and the whole world. So it's going to take a little bit of time. And so they set up a church in Jerusalem. And then they start sending people out. And they're going and teaching and preaching. And finally, somebody makes it to a place called Samaria. Samaria. Samaria is the other side of the tracks. Samaria is the bad part of town. Samaria is the back alley, the dangerous place that nobody wants to go to. Samaria is the place that everybody has bad feelings about. And finally, someone goes to Samaria, and this is what happens. Philip went down to a city in Samaria. I didn't even tell you the verse, did I? It's five. It's verse five. I'm a little bit over-caffeinated, everybody. A little bit over-caffeinated. A little over-caffeinated, which means I'm a little bit more odd than I normally am, and I can also smell colors. Okay, listen. Chapter 8, verse 5. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed Christ there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did... They all paid very close attention to what he said. Now listen to this. Things get nuts in Samaria. You want to talk about some people coming to Christ? You want to talk about a rip-roar and good time at the tent revival? Listen to this. Listen to how this is described down in Samaria. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed, so there was great joy in the city. People are just screaming and evil spirits are coming out and like people are shouting for joy and turning cartwheels and, and, and people are getting up out of wheelchairs and dancing around. and I mean, it's just all out revival breaking out in Samaria. But, verse 9, but for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. Revival is breaking out. Everything's going nuts in Samaria. Spiritual renewal has come to the city. The gospel's come to the city. And everybody's part of it. And everybody is, is just absolutely at the height of spiritual fervor but one guy. One guy's missing out. His name is Simon. And scripture calls him a sorcerer. Okay, let's park there for a minute and ask what this is. Now, this is an interesting word because... When you go all the way down to the Revelation, there's all this talk about sorcery in the book of the Revelation, and the word that's used in Greek is pharmakeos, which is where we get the word pharmacy from, which is to say tripping out on drugs. People are using drugs, they're handing out drugs, there's drug dealers, and they're giving people psychotropic drugs, and they're seeing stuff, and and all this kind of stuff, and, and they're thinking like, hey, this is sorcery, this is magic, it's drugs. 
That's not the word that's used here. It's a completely different word, and this is the only place in Scripture that it's used. And so the conclusion that we come to is that Simon is actually exerting a spiritual power, but that power is not from God. This is the work of demons. Now, that's a scary thing. But, I mean, things have already gotten weird in Samaria, right? People are screaming as demons are coming out of them. Right, this, is a, this is a messed up place that we're talking about. And this guy, Simon, apparently is working under the power of the demonic. This shouldn't surprise anybody. How many of you know the story about Ananias and Sapphira? You've heard that story. So here's Ananias and Sapphira. And there was an issue with them. In that account, long story short, Satan tried to use money to stop the church. The problem was money didn't stop the church. How many of you know about a guy named Stephen? He becomes a first martyr. His story is accounted just a, few, a chapter or two before this. Stephen starts preaching and calls out all these people for wrong that they're doing, and they get so mad at him that they take him out and they stone him. And there, Satan tries to use murder to stop the church didn't work. Now he's going to try one more tactic, and it's mimicry. Mimicry. He's going to try to use this guy named Simon, who apparently is working through the power of the demonic to do some miraculous things, some sorcery, some magic, and he's going to try to throw off these people who are having all-out revival. Now listen to this guy, Simon. Verse 9 says, he boasted that he was someone great. He would fit right in in our society today, wouldn't he? How many times do we have to turn on the television and, and see some kind of sports star or some kind of musician or artist or uh, somebody say, oh, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, frankly the best. <laughs> I, I didn't think about that one. I mean, this, he, he'd fit right in, in a society where everybody's trying to be like, I'm the greatest. Hey, look at me. I'm the best. I'm the greatest. Look at me. I'm the best. That's what he's doing, and people are falling for it. All the people, verse 10, all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention. And listen to what they say about him. This man is the divine power known as the great power. They're not very creative in handing out nicknames. This man is a divine power. We'll call him the great power. Divine. These people are buying into this. Now, look, we know a few things about Simon the sorcerer. History records his name as Simon Magnus. Simon Magnus. Now, from extra-biblical sources, that's uh, sources that are not the Bible, history books, things that are written, here's what it says, some of the things about Simon Magnus. I'm about to give away the entire story right here. I'm going to tell you the whole ending. Because by the time Simon Magnus dies, he's credited with being the founder of Gnosticism. You ever heard this? Gnosticism is like the number one heresy in the early church. It's the number one thing that 
the apostles are fighting against these heretical teachings coming in, this is the guy that's credited with starting that. Apparently, he made a trip to Rome at some point, and he did some miracles there, so much that people were impressed, and they started to worship him. Another time, it's recorded that Peter, you know Peter, right? Guy Peter, one of the apostles, it's reported that he and Peter have an, uh, an encounter, probably in, in, in one of the provinces of Rome, where Simon is actually going to levitate, yeah, levitate, and Peter is going to get mad watching it happen, and he's going to say, in the name of the Holy Spirit or in the name of Jesus, I command you down, and, and Simon's going to fall down. The levitation's going to stop, and he's going to fall. That was recorded. And then finally, Simon is going to say, I have a, I have a new one for you. Jesus was buried and rose from the dead in three days, right? Bury me alive, and in three days I will rise again. And so they took Simon out, and they dug a hole, and they put him in it, and they buried him alive. And three days passed, and he was never heard from again. That was the end of Simon. He didn't make it out of that hole. That's the guy we're talking about. So now watch this. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Here's what I want you to note right here. These people had been following Simon because of his miracles, because of his signs, because of the cool things he could do. Peter, sorry, Philip, they believed because of the message he preached. These people became followers of Christ. They were baptized as followers of Christ, not because of a miracle that they saw, but because of a word that Philip preached. Listen to this. Verse 13. This is the plot twist. Simon himself believed and was baptized. Whoa. Whoa. Somebody say, whoa. whoa. Somebody say, didn't see that one coming. Simon the sorcerer, it says he believed and was baptized. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We've just spent all this time talking about this man has some demons allowing him to do some work. This guy's going to go on and he's going to be buried alive trying to claim that he can repeat being risen from the grave like Jesus. All this kind of crazy stuff. What just happened? Well, read on. And he followed, this is Simon, followed Philip everywhere astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. This is our first clue. He follows Philip everywhere to watch the miracles and signs that Philip can do. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. This is a big moment, folks, because remember, Samaria is a place that not many people have much hope for. When the, the people back in Jerusalem, Peter and John, who are like apostles of Christ, they were there with Jesus, they took part in ministry with them. They saw the burial. They saw the resurrection. They're eyewitnesses. 
when they hear about this, they're like, guys, we got to go down to Samaria quick. Some, all revivals breaking out, and I've even heard that Simon the sorcerer has believed and been baptized. They get there quick. Watch this. When they arrived, verse 15, they prayed for them that they might receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. You know, something really cool is happening here. Um, how many of you have ever seen someone like the laying on of hands? We're going to, you know, someone's going on a mission trip, we're going to lay hands on them and pray for them. Or maybe someone's sick, we're going to lay hands on them and pray for them. So this is the laying on of hands thing. It's, it's like a way of identifying. It's a way of, of, of reaching out and saying, I'm identifying with you and you are identifying with me. And this is big news when the apostles from Jerusalem, who are Jew, were Jews, and ethnically they're Jews, go down to Samaria and they lay hands on these believers and they're saying, we're identifying with you, and you are identifying with us. And then something happens. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. This is our second clue. Simon who it says was believed and was baptized, he is keeping his silence. He's just watching from a distance, and he sees Philip going on. He's doing these miracles, and he's doing some really cool things. And then all of a sudden, some of these big apostles come down from Jerusalem, and they lay their hands on these people, and they receive the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, and, oh, Simon. Simon's sitting there, and he goes, if I could do that. Whoa. See, Simon's gotten all these imitations going on. He's got all these, th this mimicry going on, but he cannot do what he just saw happen when the Holy Spirit came upon these people. And he says, if I could do that, the people, the people that would follow me, the people that would want to be my friends, the money I could make, the crowds I would draw, the, the people that would want to see this, gotta have it and he goes up to these apostles and he does something that's incredibly dumb he says how much do you want for the holy spirit i've got it all i got bags of money i've been collecting it through the years if that's not enough i'll go levitate somewhere and they'll give me more and i'll come back how much do you want i'll pay it all i gotta have this this is now our second clue that something went wrong with Simon. His belief in his baptism apparently was not repentance and conversion. Watch how they respond. Watch this. Peter answered, listen to this response. How would you like someone to say this to you? Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. Peter basically looks at this guy and says, you know what? You and your money can die. <laughs> Whoa. P 
Peter's not having any of it. Peter's such an interesting dude. Like he, his mouth just runs. I kind of feel for him. I've got the same problem. How many of you, you always say the wrong thing at the wrong time? Yeah, God can use you. He used Peter, and usually he uses Peter to, develop, to deliver messages like this. He says, take your money, you, uh, may your money die with you, because you thought that you could buy the gift of God with money. Now listen to this, this is important. You have no part or share in this ministry. Why? Because your heart is not right before God. Here's the first question that I want to ask as we begin to walk from this story that happened 2,000 years ago into our world today. What are you willing to sell your soul for? Now, Simon heard the preaching, and it says he believed. I don't know if Simon really believed or not. I don't know if he knew the difference. Scripture tells us that the demons believe, but they're not saved. And Simon apparently believed, and he even went through the public testimony of baptism, but his heart was not changed. And the clues are everywhere, and there's about to be one more big one that we're going to see before the end of this. And when he finally sees the Holy Spirit, he sees what's happening with them, he wants that power, and he tries to buy the apostles off. What are you willing to sell your soul for? Can I tell you a couple of things that I see? Some things that I went through myself and things that I know are still an issue for middle and high school students across this country. We are really quick to sell our soul for friends. We're really quick to sell our soul for approval of others. We're real quick to sell our soul for popularity. We're real quick to sell our soul for sports and for academics and scholarships and promises of colleges. We're real quick to sell our soul for Instagram likes and group texts and Snapchat. We're real quick to sell our soul for some stuff that isn't going to mean a thing in the end. This poor guy, Simon, he thought that if he could just twist the arm and twist the public perception of all these people around him enough, if he could just throw some money at these apostles that he could have what they had. By the way, you know there's a term that endures to this day. A couple hundred years ago, there's a real big problem in what then was the Roman Catholic Church. People wanted to be priests. They wanted priestly offices. And there was enough corruption, they knew they could go and throw some money at a cardinal or something like that, and they would get appointed to be a priest of a certain church. And you know what it was called? Simony. Simony. Named after Simon, the sorcerer. When people would buy indulgences, you ever heard of that? 
There's some big sin in their life, and instead of going and repenting of it, they would just run down to Tetzel and say, hey, got to buy some indulgences. Hey, so-and-so died before they could repent of whatever, and so I want to pay for theirs too. Simony, named after this guy, trying to buy the blessings of God. Now listen to this. Verse 22, here's what Peter says. Repent. Repent. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. And perhaps he'll forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. If there was any confusion until this point, we've just solved it. Simon is captive to sin. There's bitterness in his heart. And Peter says, repent. When we read those verses earlier, did you notice what was missing? It says he believed. It said he was baptized, but it never said he repented. Never repented. How many times do we come before the Lord and we want to be free from the penalty of sin, but we don't really want to be free from the sin? That's Simon's problem. And Simon reveals that if we don't really want to be free from the sin, we're not repenting of the sin. Now listen, one more thing that sad story about Simon is going to show us, and it's in verse 24. Peter says, repent and pray to the Lord. Verse 24, then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. Simon cannot even bring himself to pray to God, because everything that he has is mimicry. Even his faith in God is an imitation. And the story ends. The next verse, they're leaving. When they testified and proclaimed the word of God, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem. They're gone. That's how Simon's story ends. Almost a Christian. Almost. He was 90 or 89.4%, and he couldn't round up to be a Christian. The worst thing is being almost there. How many of you have ever been to New York? Anybody ever been to New York? How many of you have bought fake stuff in New York? I got to go to New York. I bought fake or I didn't buy it. You bought it. I went with Sage. Sage is here tonight. He and I just went on a trip to New York with the Finance Academy at Buholtz. It was really cool, a couple weeks ago. And you remember that day we went down to Chinatown. And we, go to, we had lunch, and you were there, and, and who else did we have in that group? Uh, Nick? Nick was there. Somebody else was there. Ethan was there. We had, we had a good group. We're, we're down in Chinatown. And, and I kind of felt, you know, I'm, I'm just there. I'm a chaperone. I'm, I'm there to enjoy it, make sure these guys don't get swiped on the street, something like that. Make sure they get on the right subway train to go back. And so I'm just kind of letting them do what they, they want. We're walking around, around, around Chinatown. And finally, I'm like, what are you guys looking for? And I don't know if it was you, Sage, or somebody else said a Rolex. You wanted a Rolex. Now, listen, I'm, 
I was born on a Monday, but not last Monday, and I knew that Sage wasn't looking to buy a real Rolex. But also, we're just walking around in circles. I'm like, guys, this is not going to be a sign that says, get your fake Rolexes here. Like, you got to look for this. So we, we go walking down the street. I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look for a guy that's got the goods. And when we find him, you're going to go up. You're going to start the conversation. Tell him what you're looking for. In your head, have a price. And that's all you're going to pay. Don't be afraid to walk away. Remember that? It was good advice, wasn't it? We're going down the street. We come across this guy. And I, I, I can just tell. I said, Sage, right there. There's your guy. Just go right up to him. You were looking for a Gucci belt, right? A Gucci belt. A what? A fake one. Yeah. Yeah. Gucci gang. Um, so we're, we're looking for a Gucci belt. A Gucci gang belt. And so we go to, I have no idea what I'm saying right now. That might be really bad. It's really bad? Yep, okay, no more, no more. We, we're, get, we're getting a belt. He's getting a belt. And so this guy, he's, I don't know what you said to him, but he gets out his ladder and he climbs up the top of his shelf and he's got some boxes and he moves them out of the way and he's got more boxes and bags and all this and he, he gets this thing down and unwraps this Gucci belt. And I think $20 is what you were willing to pay. Yeah, and he started at 80, 100, and, and Sage is doing so good. He's like, oh, no, no, all I've got is 20. All I'll pay is 20. And this guy's like, okay, 40. All I'll pay is 20. I can't go any lower than 40. And so he d you did the right thing. You said, okay, sorry. Starts walking away. The other guy in the shop looks at the first guy and goes, seriously, it was like that. And he goes, okay, come back, okay, come back, 20, 20. And then he acted like, like he was so upset that he made a bad bargain or something like that. And then we went down the street and you did it again with the sunglasses. What kind were those? Gucci? Oh, it was just Gucci day. Is it, okay, you got Gucci sunglasses. You, what you're wearing now is real? Okay, those are real. And, that, and I can attest to that because we didn't buy those. He goes down the sidewalk and he buys fake sunglasses for $5. Gucci sunglasses. Gucci sunglasses, $5. If he had it on tonight, you wouldn't know the difference. They're, they're pretty close knockoffs. But guess what? How many times have you worn that belt? Maybe once. When you look at it, are you convinced it's Gucci? No. What about the sunglasses? Are you convinced it's Gucci? Well, it's got the logo on it. Well, why don't you think it's Gucci? Because you know they're not. Why? Because you bought them for $5 from a lady on the side of the street in New York that was trying to hide it from police or whatever. Only a fool would take what's fake and think it's real. When they know it's fake. So here's a question, folks. When we have a friend that doesn't love us, we don't accept him as a friend. When we have a teacher that won't teach us, that's the worst, isn't it? 
we don't accept them as a good teacher, do we? We're like, they don't teach us anything. We watch movies. If, if someone were to come to you and say, I'm going to give you a job, and I'm not going to pay you, we wouldn't say we have a job. So why is it that when we have a faith that doesn't change you, we think we have the real faith? And Simon, the story of Simon, it introduces a real tension for us, doesn't it? Because Simon, it says he believed, it says he was baptized, but he never repented. He certainly never changed. Because as soon as the other apostles got there, he wanted to buy from them the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter looked right at him and said, you know what? Repent. Pray to God right now and repent. And he can't even bring himself to do that. So guys, here's a question that I have for you tonight. Jesus is the living word. And his truth cuts straight through all the noise in our lives and brings us to a very sincere question. Is our faith in him real or not? Is there evidence in our life that we've repented? That means we have turned from sin and self, and we have turned to him. And ultimately, you know what I think the the greatest filter to come out of this little story is? Can we truly say that our desires have changed? Do we desire God because he's God? Or do we desire God because of what we think he can do for us? Do we desire God because we want an A on the finals? And if we can pray and get God to do what he does, then we can do it. Or maybe we want to make the team and so we pray and ask God and, and we try to bribe God with, oh, I'll, if only you'll do this for me, I, I'll listen to my parents for the next two weeks. I'll go to church for the rest of my life. We bargain with him and, and Simon leaves us with this test. Those with a real faith in Christ, their desire is Christ.